Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Tim, and as always, it's great to be with you uh, today here this morning. Uh, let me pass along one more announcement as well, in addition to the things that Rob and Jeff just said. Uh, if, you're, if you're new or if you're new-ish to Brookside, or maybe you've even been around for a while, and you're still looking for that way to get plugged in and feel connected, let me make sure you hear me personally invite you uh, to our 10-minute party, just something we do about once a month, where we'd love it for you to come right over here to kind of this side of our auditorium after services for about 10 minutes, hence the name of the 10-minute party, and where we, where we can kind of personally meet you. You can get to interact with some staff. You can hear a lot about Brookside in just a few minutes, and then most importantly, maybe what's on the front of your mind, how you can take next steps towards getting plugged in. So again, that's kind of right over here, off to my left, your right, after the service. would love to meet you there and help you get plugged in and feel connected in the life of our church family. And then I know Rob mentioned this a couple times, but man, how awesome is it that seven kids were baptized this morning who had, who had placed their faith in Jesus and are now publicly displaying that. So it's so fun for us to hear about all the ways God is at work in the life of our church. Well, today we are going to look at one of Jesus' most jarring statements that he makes. A, a statement that, that, that if you aren't prepared for it, if it catches you flat-footed, or if it's the first time you're hearing it, this statement will sound crazy and can catch you off guard. Here's what Jesus says. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Right? Bold statement. There's probably not too many Hallmark cards with this verse on it. It is big. Everything about this statement is high cost, high commitment. And it sounds crazy to our American ears that are trained to think in terms of self-indulgence and self-promotion. I mean, when you hear a statement that this bold, when you hear a statement this countercultural, really you can react to it in one of two big ways. You can lean away from it. You can ignore it, right? And pretend like you've never heard it. And you can go on living your life just the way you've always lived it. Or when you hear a statement like this, you can lean in to it a little bit. You, you can press in and just start asking a few simple but really worthwhile follow-up questions about something that sounds this big. You can ask questions like, who's asking me to do this? Is it someone who knows what they're talking about? Is it someone who has my best interests in mind? Is it someone who's walked this road ahead of me. Another question maybe you ask is what's all involved in this commitment? I mean, yeah, the bar is set high with that statement Jesus says, but is, is the bar being set high, is that necessarily a bad thing? As we reach for that, as we go after that, might that do something in us that, that shapes us and forms us into the people that God wants us to be? When we're told to deny ourselves, so when we have to practice the humility that goes along with that, is it good for us to realize that, that Tim, or that you, that you're not the center of the universe, that everything doesn't orbit around you, is it good for us to get out of ourselves and center our lives around something else? And then we'll see as well this last question, what's on the other side of this commitment? Yeah, we can't get around the high cost involved. There's no way for us to do that. But let's not miss the offer. 
if I pursue this commitment, if, if I go after that bar that's set so high, if I sign up for that, what does it do in me? What does it do for me? These are the questions that I want to answer today with just, with just truth from Luke 9, with what else Jesus says right around that, that verse in verse 23. And you'll leave here seeing that each of these questions we've been asking, each of, it gets, each of those questions, they get answered in a way that doesn't push us away from Jesus. Each of those questions gets answered in a way that keeps drawing us in to him. It makes us want to follow him, even with the high cost, high commitment he asks of his disciples. You see, we'll learn about Jesus, that he should get our best respect and our best devotion. And when you respect someone, when you're devoted to someone, you will run through a wall for them. It's not hard to do that. You want to do that when you respect the person who's talking. When we dig more deeply into what's all involved with following Jesus, we see that maybe this is the right way to live. Maybe it's good to set the bar high because of what it does in us. And then when we learn what's on the other side of this commitment, what it offers, we're eager to get on board. We're eager to sign up and to go after it. And so this message today is for everyone here. Maybe you're on the very front end of starting to look into life with Jesus and just see who he is, what following him looks like. Listen in today, and you will get a full picture of who Jesus is and what following him involves. So that way nothing is left to guesswork for you, depending on how you move ahead. Others of us here, we've been following Jesus for a long time. We've heard statements similar to what Jesus says in Luke 9 before, but we've gotten casual towards these sorts of statements. Right, they become familiar to us in the worst sense of the term. And so today, I just want to hold the smelling salts of Luke 9 up in front of us again to, to awaken all of us to the fact that Jesus is still calling his followers to daily discipleship, to denying themselves every day, taking up their cross every day, to following him every day. You see, we'll all see that when we listen to Luke 9, when we really let his message get inside of us, we do different things. We look at life through a different lens. We surrender our own agendas, and we participate in the best mission, the mission of what Jesus is doing in and for the world. See, Jesus offers us perspective, and he offers us purpose that nothing else can match. And so today he asks us, to follow him. Today he tells us, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. So now let's take that step, statement, let's ask our first question of it. Who's asking me to do this? Obviously the short answer is Jesus, we know that, but when we linger on this just a little bit longer, when we think about who Jesus is, it makes us totally respond differently to what he's asking. You see, already in Luke, if you've been with us for the last few weeks while we've been tracking through this series, or if you've been reading through Luke on your own, we've learned some amazing things about Jesus, haven't we? We've learned about his care and his forgiveness. We've learned about his power over creation. We've learned about his power over the spiritual world. We've learned about his power over death. And when somebody like that talks, we should pay attention. We should tune in. But right here in Luke 9, in just the immediate context, 
in which verse 23 sits, we learn more information about who Jesus is. We see why he deserves our best devotion. So here's where I'd, I'd love it if you'd pull out your Bibles, pull out your phones, follow along with me. Just because I want you to see this in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, I'll start reading in verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and, and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. And so apparently everyone is asking this question, who is Jesus? And we see that there were a bunch of opinions floating around about who he is, who he was. Similar to today, you don't have to look far before you start to get a whole lot of opinions about who Jesus was and who Jesus is. But Jesus doesn't stop with public opinion. Jesus pushes his disciples, these closest followers of his, he pushes them towards personal encounter. And so Jesus asks them again, but, but what about you? Who, who do you say that I am? You see, this is a question that goes from the public opinion to the personal. We can't let what others think about Jesus dictate who he really is. So Jesus asks every one of us individually, what about you? Who, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, he's one of Jesus' closest followers, one of these 12 apostles, they're called. He's usually the first one to speak up. Sometimes gets him in trouble. This time he hits a home run, right? Peter's the first guy that steps forward with an answer. And he says, you're God's Messiah. And this is the right answer, by the way. You see, Jesus isn't just one more prophet in a long line of prophets. Jesus is in a category all by himself. He's the Messiah. He's God's promise to deliverer to rescue his people. But when every first century Jew, when they would have heard that title Messiah, they would have immediately associated that with political and military victory. Right? They, they would have thought of someone who comes to conquer through might. And so that's why Jesus immediately steps in in verse 21. He says he strictly warns them not to tell this to anybody. And then look what he says in verse 22. Jesus says, the Son of Man, that's another title Jesus often uses of himself. The Son of Man must suffer many things. He must be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And so Jesus doesn't disagree that he's the Messiah. He is the Messiah. But as soon as Peter declares this, it's almost like Jesus interrupts him. He stops Peter short to make sure that Jesus steps in and fills in the rest of the blank. Because here Jesus shows us precisely what kind of Messiah that he is. He's not a Messiah who comes to rally an army and, and lobby for votes. He's a Messiah who must suffer. He, he's a Messiah who will be rejected by the people that are supposed to follow him. He's a Messiah that must be killed before his resurrection. That's the kind of Messiah that Jesus is. He's not someone who comes to direct attention to himself. He's not someone who comes to flaunt his authority. Jesus, through his own suffering and sacrifice, that's how he saves. 
He's a Messiah who saves through the greatest sacrifice by taking the place for our sins on the cross in our place. And so here's what we can't miss in all of that that we see in just a couple verses about who Jesus is. It shows us that when Jesus calls us to surrender ourselves, when Jesus calls you to surrender yourself, to take up your cross and to follow him, Jesus isn't calling you to do anything he hasn't already done first. And at infinitely greater cost, as the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God. This makes me think of, of kind of the difficult drills the, the elite levels of our military are asked to, to do, right? I mean, the bar is set high for some of these levels of the military. These soldiers in training are, are asked to do things that are not easy. But the drill instructors, the, the, the people who are asking them to do these crazy things, those drill instructors have done everything else these young soldiers are being asked to do. They've already done it. They've done it first. The drill instructors aren't calling the young soldiers to do anything they haven't already done first. And so why should we lean in to Jesus' call to discipleship, the, the high-cost, high-commitment call he brings in front of us in Luke 9? It's because of who Jesus is. His work for us on the cross makes our pursuit of him, whatever the cost, not a duty, but a delight. Because he's a suffering Messiah who has already walked the road ahead of us. That's the sort of Lord that I want to follow. That's the sort of Lord that I will run through a wall for. Because he's already denied himself. He's already taken up his cross for us. And so, so that truth makes me desire to follow that sort of Lord, even if that means high cost and high commitment. Next question we're asking today, what's all involved in this commitment that Jesus asks of his disciples in Luke 9? So before we look at verses 23 to 25, because we'll, we'll camp there in just a second, Let's do a quick 101 class on this word discipleship. I've already been talking about it a little bit, so let's get into it, right? Disciple is a word you'll hear a lot if you stick around church world for long enough. And rightfully so, because one of Jesus' last commands on earth to his followers is he says, hey, go and make disciples of all nations. So making disciples who make disciples who make disciples, that should be on the short list of priorities of every healthy church. It's a big deal. And the word disciple, it literally means learner, is what it means in the Greek. But don't just think of a learner in some sort of classroom sort of environment. You're not sitting in a test, or you're not sitting at a desk taking a test, something like that. Think instead of, a, of an apprentice, of someone who's learning a skill or a lifestyle, right? Think in terms of, of a disciple being someone who walks in the footsteps of someone else, when I was in college, I went on a couple of backpacking trips in Colorado. One was uh, with a group of RAs over the hall, different halls of the college I was in, team building experience, and one was just to fulfill some PE credit. And then my wife attended one of those as well, so the ulterior motive was, hey, I can hang out with Carrie for a little bit longer before we were married and, you know, got in a personal agenda there. So PE credit and get to know Carrie better, check, right, with this backpacking trip. But so there we are, we're in Colorado. It's awesome, 
right? You see the sights of the Rockies, you sleep in tents, you get away from civilization. It's great. You do a whole lot of hiking. And, and each time we were there, our, our trail guide tells the, the group we were with, he says, make sure you pay attention to the person in front of you. To, to watch where they step, to follow that same path that they're blazing for you. To literally walk in their footsteps as much as you can. As followers of Jesus, we are called to walk in his footsteps as much as we can. And if the path that he went on, if that path involves suffering and sacrifice, and it does, we've seen that in verse 22, then we can't go around that part of the path. We can't skip that part of the trail ourselves. And so this is exactly what Jesus is saying in verses 23 to 25. Here's how Luke 9 continues. Verse 23, then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must uh, deny themselves, take up their crosses daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone? He asked this rhetorical question. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. And so as we look at this high cost, high commitment call that Jesus asks us into, here's what we see. No way around it. Following Jesus will cost us way more than whatever is comfortable and convenient. Right? I mean, let's just say it. That's what it is. This is a hard truth that we cannot go around as we follow Jesus. Jesus talks about things we'd rather not talk about, but we can't avoid it if we take Jesus and what he calls us to seriously. He talks about self-denial. He talks about taking up one's cross. And when Jesus' first hearers would have heard him say that, use that language, taking up your cross, they would have immediately had very graphic images come to the front of their minds, where they would have seen people walking this one-way trip, kind of with this beam along their back, a one-way trip to their crucifixion. So taking up your cross, they knew what that meant. The cross was a symbol of death. That's what Jesus is calling us to, as his church, as his followers, to die to ourselves. Jesus isn't primarily talking about literal death here, not physical death. Though, just to be clear, right, because we're being up front this morning, there are plenty of followers of Jesus throughout history and around the world still today who pay this ultimate sacrifice for following Jesus. Jesus isn't calling us to be a doormat for others. He's not saying you can't have dreams. He's not saying you can't set goals. But, but here's what he is saying when he tells us, Tim, take up your cross and follow me. Here's what he is calling us to when he tells us to deny ourselves and follow him. John Stott puts it in such, such great words. I just want to highlight what, what this guy, again, John Stott, Cross of Christ, excellent book. It's awesome. He passed away just a few years ago. But pastor, theologian, Bible scholar, guy we want to listen to on this. He says, self-denial isn't denying ourselves Luxuries such as chocolates, cakes, cigarettes, and cocktails. Though, though maybe it includes this, but, but then listen to this. Here's what I want you to see, right? It is renouncing our supposed right 
to go our own way. It is renouncing our supposed right to blaze my own trail, to do things the way Tim wants to do them, instead of following the path Jesus has set before us. To deny oneself is to turn from the idolatry of self-centeredness. And so Jesus, what he's doing here is he's challenging values that, that are prevalent and unquestioned in our culture today. That these values to be powerful and spectacular and recognized and to be the center of our own universe where everything and everyone else revolves around me, around us. And he's calling us instead to, to these radical ideas of humility and selflessness. Now, make sure you hear me on this. This doesn't mean having a position of influence is bad. It doesn't mean if you're, in a, if you're in a role that's in the spotlight, it doesn't mean that's bad. We want followers of Jesus to be using their gifts in big ways. But here's what it does mean. It means for all of us, whether your role is visible or invisible, public or private, for all of us here today, we all need to be guarding against unqualified self-interest. We need to be guarding against unqualified self-promotion. We need to be thinking in terms instead of humility and self-denial. Those are the virtues we're after. Not how many likes can I get, but how can I add value to others around me? How can I make them glad for the work Jesus is doing in me and through me? And so it means you acknowledge you're part of the greatest story ever told. The story of what God is doing in and for the world. Nothing is better than that story. And you acknowledge that Jesus is the hero of that story. Jesus is the center of that story. You're important. Absolutely you're important. But you're the supporting cast. We're, we're pointing people to Jesus, not ourselves. And so rather than this being a downer, though, I think, I think it can be energizing to know that, that all of us, we are part of something so much bigger than anything I would create for myself. We're part of something so much bigger than just ourselves. By playing the important role that you play in all the ways you play at Brookside, right? By, by holding doors and greeting people with a smile when they come to the church building, by, by loving kids and students, by showing compassion, by building relationships, by pointing others to Jesus, by helping launch and sustain this DCC service where we're just getting on the front edge of. In all these ways, we are part of what God is doing in and for the world, and there is nothing better than that. And then don't miss that word daily in verse 23. In my own Bible, that's one of those words that I double underlined. I put a circle around it because I don't want to forget it. We need to keep our foot on the gas pedal with this daily, this, this sort of humility and self-denial that Jesus is calling us to. That's not a once-a-year checkup. This is a daily discipleship Jesus is inviting us to. And so if you're a student in high school or college or middle school or wherever you're at, boy, what we've been talking about today, this isn't something you'll ever graduate from or move past. The, the vision that I want to give you is for living this way that Jesus calls us to, living this way decade after decade after decade of your life. Because it gives me chills when I think what somebody in their teens or in their 20s, if they, if they follow Jesus in this way, it gives me chills about what Jesus will do through that person over the course of a lifetime. 
through them. Or if you're an empty nester, maybe you're in retirement now. Life looks a whole lot different for you now than it did two, three, four, five years ago. Let me keep this in front of you as well, humbly, with respect. But we, we never throttle back from what Jesus is calling us to here. We never throttle back from, from daily denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and daily saying, yeah, I'm going to keep following Jesus. That's the direction I'm pointing. I'm going to follow him on his path rather than blazing one of my own. And now onto our third commitment, or our third question, excuse me. What's on the other side of this commitment that we've been looking at? What does it offer? So, so we've seen what it, what it asks of us, right? Following Jesus costs us way more than anything that's comfortable and convenient. But, but in the same breath, we want to say, following Jesus offers us far more than you can imagine. We see this promise in what Jesus says in verse 24. He says, whoever loses their life for me, that's everything we've been talking about, whoever loses their life for me will save it, is what he says. And the saving of your life that Jesus is talking about there. He's talking about saving it in every way that really matters, most deeply, most eternally, most influentially, right? He's talking about being right with God and the peace with God that that offers. He's talking about having your sins forgiven so that we aren't, so that way we aren't haunted by the things we've done in the past. He's talking about experiencing the full life Jesus offers now with, with purpose and meaning and direction, everything else that involves. And he's talking about the assurance of eternal life moving forward, life with him in heaven, right? In the new heavens, the new earth. That's what Jesus is talking about. And the, the thing is, Brookside, if we have everything else, if we have the, the house and the money and the toys, however you gauge success, if we have everything else, but if we, if we don't have those things that really matter most, peace with God, forgiveness of sins, the assurance of eternal life, again, Jesus' words are strong, th then we don't have anything. Not really, not eternally. That's the point Jesus is making with this rhetorical question in verse 25. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, whatever that looks like for you, to get everything you've ever wanted except for what matters most? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? We know the answer. Jesus' call to discipleship is bold. It's big. There is no way for me to take the edge off of what Jesus says here. I, I wouldn't want to. We need to let Jesus speak for himself. But I hope, as we've looked at Luke 9 today, I hope what you've seen is that, that this high cost, high commitment call, it's not something to be intimidated by. It's not something to run from. It's something to run towards. It's inviting is what it is. And the reason I can say that is because our right standing with God doesn't depend on us taking up our cross. 
our right standing for God, it depends on the, the reality, the truth that someone has already taken up their cross for you. Jesus did that on the cross, dying in his place for my sins, for your sins, so we could be right with God. And if that's what Jesus has done, if that's the sort of Lord that he is, a Lord who will sacrifice himself for us so we could be right with God, then we respond to, to Jesus' call to discipleship, not out of duty, not out of demand, but out of desire, out of delight. You see it in Luke 9? So now how do we do this? Let's get practical here for just a few minutes. So, so, so we've set the trajectory we want to be on as a church. We want to be on as individuals. We are following Jesus. We are his disciples. Now, now what are some practical things we can do to get going in this right direction? There, there's a lot of things you could do. Man, if I had 20 more minutes, I could talk to you for 30 more minutes. But, but let me talk to you for six or seven more minutes instead. Which is a, few, a, a few practical ideas that will keep you pointed in this direction of discipleship. So, so the first one that we just want to start with is following Jesus. We, you follow Jesus. It seems obvious, but we don't want to overlook where the starting point is. You see, I, I, when we remove ourselves from the center of our lives, somebody or something else will take that place. And I hope what you've seen today is how worthy Jesus is of, of that center spot in your lives. How, how worthy he is to be your Savior and your Lord. And so for some of you, maybe today is the first day you consciously decide to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. You know your need. You know you're a sinner. And so you just take a chance to admit your sin and then to rest in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. You trust in that. And then you just make this conscious decision to say, Jesus, I'll, I'll follow you. I'll follow your path as my Savior and my Lord. this is a decision you're kind of still in the middle of, right? Because it's a big decision. Then I encourage you to, to go right outside this room to Connection Corner. Ask about Explore. Go online and check out Explore. It's a group that we offer at Brookside. It's just a few weeks long that's designed to help you ask and answer these questions that we're putting in front of you today. Who is Jesus and what does it mean to follow him? But so some of you are on the very front end of that. Others of us, we've been following Jesus for a long time. That's the camp I'm in. I feel old, right, when I start to put dates to things, and I realize I've been following Jesus now for 30-plus years. And, and you know what's sobering to me as a pastor and, and as somebody who's been following Jesus for a long time, like, like some of you have? It is sobering to me how far I can get into my day before I recenter myself around Jesus instead of my own agenda, instead of my own to-do list. And so I need to find very, very intentional things I can do to, to bring that back front and center to me. So that way I recenter myself on the fact that, that yes, I follow Jesus. I'm going to die to myself today and follow him. And so one of the things that I do is I just try to use my drive time in the morning on the way to the church building intentionally. It's about 15 minutes for me or so. So I leave my radio off which is a death to self of me, so I can't listen to talk radio for those 15 minutes. But so I, I leave my radio off, or I just quiet, and I just try to very specifically take that 12 to 15 minutes to, to just repeat some prayers that I've been saying now for a few years. It centers me again on who God is, 
and that my day is his. And, and so the tail end of that prayer is, is usually I'm just kind of pulling on to 120th Street. I've even got it timed out. It's weird. My mind thinks that way. I just say, now God, as I cross the threshold of this day, because every day is different. God, as I cross the threshold of this day, I commit today to you. My agenda, my, my family, my feelings, my goals, I commit it to you. And then I go on a little bit from there. But, but for me, that is a recentering point every day that helps me remember that even as a pastor, right, even as a, even as a follower of Jesus, even as a disciple who's been trying to do this for a while, this is a decision we make daily. And so, so find out what works for you. But whatever it is, kind of put it into your life intentionally. So that way weeks don't go by without you centering and recentering and recentering again on Jesus daily. Another practical thing that we do to, to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, is that we embrace humility. Earlier this month, the Wall Street Journal ran an article titled, The Best Bosses Are Humble Bosses. And check out what it says. It says, after decades of screening potential leaders for charm and charisma, some employers are realizing they've been missing one of the most important traits of all, humility. Humility is a core quality of leaders who inspire close teamwork, rapid learning, high performance in their team. So all these benefits of humble bosses, according to several studies in the last three years. And then they go on to talk about humble people tend to be aware of their own weaknesses, eager to improve themselves, appreciative of other strengths, focused on goals beyond their own self-interest. So, so they're, they're starting to see what Jesus pointed us towards 2,000 years ago. We live not for our own self-interest. We live beyond our own self-interest. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul said as well in Philippians 2. Again, close to 2,000 years ago, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so, so, so Paul knows something that we need to get, Brookside. Discipleship goes hand in hand with radical humility. And then third, we advance Jesus' mission. Right? So we follow Jesus, we embrace humility, and we advance his mission, not our own you see, we don't just follow Jesus into sacrifice and self-denial. Those things aren't ends in themselves. We follow Jesus this way on his mission. And we know what Jesus' mission is. He tells us he's building his church. He's, he's seeking and saving the lost. He wants us to make disciples who make disciples. Seeing lives and eternities changed. Being on mission with Jesus along the path that he's blazed for us. There is nothing better than that. And we get to be part of it, Brookside. That should do something in us. I mean, it's a big mission. And so the work isn't done. And so, so we don't want to throttle back. We, we won't coast through to the end. Instead, it's a mission we're going to keep faithfully pursuing and pushing forward. This is why I love what Jeff is doing, holding out these DCC services in front of us. Today, there's 30-plus people meeting just to talk more about how we can launch and sustain these new services to, to reach more people, to call more people to, to life with Jesus, to invite them into that. We will faithfully push the ball forward that way. 
as we faithfully follow Jesus. And so that's what discipleship looks like. Following Jesus, embracing humility, and advancing his mission. And we do it all out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us on the cross and independence on God's Spirit in us. And so what Jesus says in Luke 9, he says to us again today, Brookside, he asks us, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter gives us the answer. You're God's Messiah. Down in verse 22, Jesus says, the Son of Man, the the Messiah you're following, he must suffer many things. He'll be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. He'll be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then Jesus said to them all, Jesus says to you, to, to us today, Brookside, whoever wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, I am so aware of how helpless I am, of how helpless we are to live in light of this call you invite us into in Luke 9. Father, of how many times I fall short, of how, of how daily I don't live up to what you would want for me as your disciple. And so, Jesus, I thank you that my hope isn't in me carrying my cross for you. I thank you that my hope is that, is that you have already carried your cross for me. And then Jesus, may, may that lead me to pick myself up daily and every day to recenter myself around following you. Jesus, I pray for all of us, for, for Brookside as a church, that we would do this not out of duty or demand. Jesus, help us do this out of delight because you're, because you're the sort of Lord and Savior we want to follow. Jesus, in all of this, our request is that we do, do things in a way that's for your glory, and in that we find our good. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, for being the sort of Lord and Savior we want to follow, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.